It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Over the last decade or so, I have had the privilege of interviewing the gentleman that you're about to hear on a wide variety of subjects. And usually, I will introduce him somehow as the madcap prophet who ends up predicting everything correctly. Not based on astrology, not based on uh, divine uh, visions or anything like that, but based on analysis and data. These days, though... The title that he seems to be wearing most proudly is the Prince of Peace because he has become one of the most steadfast advocates in the Western Hemisphere for peace instead of war. Let me welcome once again the founder of the Trends Research Institute and the publisher of the Trends Journal, Gerald Salente. Gerald, it is a great treat to talk with you as always, my friend. Oh, thanks so much for having me on, Frank. Uh, let's begin with the new Trends Journal. It's out. The front page of it is sort of a weird photo of Uncle Sam. Uh, Uncle Sam with sort of a distorted face. Very interesting artwork. And it says, America, no peace, only war. For people that haven't read it yet, and we do hope they'll check it out, give us an idea of what the key takeaways are in the latest edition of the of the Trends Journal. Well, you know, well, the magazine, of course, you know, it's filled with uh, socioeconomic and geopolitical trends analysis and trend forecasts. And but the cover, I mean, is illustrating. You know, one of our sayings is the 20th century was the American century, and the 21st century is going to be the Chinese century, because the business of America is war, and the business of China is business. I mean, the countless, countless trillions of dollars that the United States has spent on war and the military-industrial complex since the end of World War II is incalculable. Meanwhile, China has their Belt and Road Initiative, you know, becoming the new IMF, the International Monetary Fund, you know, and, and so... They're growing and we're declining. I mean, you go to China, you look at their infrastructure, and you compare it to the third world rotten infrastructure that America has. And all America does is talk about war. Here you, here you have, again, not, these are just data. As you said, we only go by data. 64% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. And what did we do already? Sent over 100 and $15 billion to Ukraine since the war began last February? I mean, you know, where, where is the outrage? And, 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 and people, you know, there's, there's, there's hardly any fight back. How dare you don't want to go support them? So here, you see, I, people hate me for this. I am an American patriot. I believe in the founding fathers who fought for our freedom and all the morons and imbeciles who are too stupid to read George Washington's farewell address 
a real man, not like these little boys playing president that couldn't fight their way out of a paper bag. The cat that crossed the Delaware, you that, Washington? His <laughs> farewell address warning the American people do not come involved in any foreign entanglements, particularly in Europe, because this crap has been going on for centuries. Well, what does George Washington know? He was only around in the uh, 18th century. How about a more modern five-star general? What about someone like uh, General Eisenhower? What did he have to say on the subject? Yeah, of course. You know, his farewell address, warning the American people that the military-industrial complex is robbing the nation of the genius of the scientists, the sweat of the laborers, and the future of the children. I mean, this is a guy, again, he hated war because he saw it. And, and again, the speech is what? January 17th, 1961. And another guy, John F. Kennedy, you read his uh, speech to the graduating students at American University, June 1963. It's all about peace. And he talks about the Soviet Union back then. How, you know, they were, they were, they were, you know, blah, 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 blah. But he said, no country suffered more in World War II than the Soviet Union. His words, over 20 million were killed. Operation Barbarossa, the Russians. They lost their land equivalent and, you know, factories, homes equivalent to Chicago to the East Coast. Kennedy then goes on to say that, you know, the, these are, you know, we can't hate these people. He said, you know, they're very intellectually uh, experienced, blah, 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 blah. And he said, if we go to war with them, the wor- we will be wiped. The world will be destroyed in 24 hours. He talks about peace. He says America will not go to war again. This is in June of 1963. By November, Jack, you dead. And eight months later, Americans at war in Vietnam. So you do believe the theory that uh, Kennedy was killed because he would have de-escalated rather than escalated the situation in Indochina? Absolutely, because he was also he was also going to be pulling out the uh, the uh, the CIA and the other the other. Uh, uh, soldiers that were there, the, the advisors. And you talked about Indochina. Isn't that a nice name? Indo- French Indochina. <laughs> you, know, you mean the French were there? Oh, we were only stealing their rubber and their, and their tin. You know, you go back, you, you know, I, I, you know I, I, I just Googled it up. Anybody can Google it up. Uh, United States uh, sanctions on Japan, 1941. Franklin Delano Roosevelt put sanctions on Japan in July of 1941. You know why? They had the nerve to invade French Indochina, and they took over Cameron Air Force Base, which was only 600 miles. This is in the, this is history today. An establishment, you know, uh, uh, publication. They were 600 miles from the United States bases in the Philippines. What are we doing in the Philippines? And what are the French doing in Laos, Cambodia, and Vietnam? Oh, they're stealing their rubber, their tin, and enslaving the people. And and they seized, Roosevelt seized all the Japanese assets. And then the British and the, and the 
and the Dutch put sanctions on Japan where they lost three-quarters of their trade and 88% of their imported oil, and Japan only needs 100% of imported oil. Uh, Gerald, for people that have not heard our previous conversations on Ukraine, a lot of very well-meaning people, right, and I mean that sincerely, on both sides of the aisle, they believe that by supporting Ukraine, either in terms of direct aid or in terms of allowing them to have access to American weaponry or a, any variety of of aid that they ask for that uh, Biden and Republicans in Congress then go along with. It's one of the few bipartisan issues in Washington these days is giving Zelensky and Ukraine whatever they request. But a lot of folks view America standing with Ukraine as standing up to Putin and authoritarianism, and they view the situation as very cut and dry. Putin is a bloodthirsty autocrat that uh, that invaded a sovereign free country, and the United States has to stand up for Ukraine because it would send a very poor message to the world if someone like Putin is able to get away with this. Why is that logic, which I think still, even though the numbers are starting to shift, we'll talk about that. Why is that logic, which I think is still the conventional wisdom, why is that flawed? Because they have no idea about the, the whole situation, that why it happened. Again, why write a magazine? You only put the facts in it. You go back to our, uh, when the, mag- the, the Trends Journal is now a weekly, it used to be a monthly going back to um, 2014. An article written by Dr. Paul Craig Roberts former assistant treasury secretary under Ronald Reagan, detailing the United States overthrow of the democratically elected government of Viktor Yanukovych in Ukraine. And anybody could go to Google and put in Victoria Nuland, December uh, 2013, Washington, D.C. This is the undersecretary of state who, along with John McCain, uh, was uh, passing out cookies in Maiden Square. But going back before that, as the revolution started to happen in 2014, what happened was, uh, uh, again, these are the facts. The European Union had called, uh, had noted that Ukraine was the most corrupt country in Europe. They needed money since the breakup of the Soviet Union. They were making a deal with the IMF and the EU under Yanukovych. And Putin said, listen, I got a better deal for you. I'll give you lower interest rates and I'll cut your oil prices. And uh, Yanukovych said, yeah, we'll go with you. No, you won't. The United States launched the coup. The facts are right there. And, and they have no idea of the, what the agreement made between Gorbachev and Bush Sr. that, quote, NATO would not move one inch further. So if we had Russia up in Canada and the Chinese down in Mexico, we'd be very happy. There were 16 NATO countries. Now there are 30. And the Minsk agreement, when the war broke out, and people have no idea that the Ukrainians killed over 14,000 people in the Russian sector of Ukraine, which, again, this has been going back and forth. It was Khrushchev that brought Ukraine to a, a, another country. It was, it was part of the Soviet Union. And, and yeah, people have no idea about the, the land, dis- the border disputes going on for centuries. Let me, uh, let me ask you as well about what we're seeing in the Middle East. Obviously, this is a very big 
month and that it's the 20th anniversary of the Iraq war. And just now is the Congress getting around to rescinding the authorization to go to war in Iraq, which uh, president after president and administration after administration has used as their defense for going wherever they want in terms of the Middle East with respect to military adventurism. Now we see things heating up in in Syria. Matt Gates introduced a resolution to withdraw American troops from Syria. This was another situation where you had very strange bedfellows, the most liberal Democrats partnering with the most conservative Republicans to vote for it. It still wasn't enough to pass in the House of Representatives, and we still have troops in Syria, and things seem to be heating up with these Iranian-backed militias in Syria. Give me your view on the uh, Syria situation and how the United States plays into that, Gerald. All right. All right, I'll, I'll do that, but I would also want to make a bit more of something clear. How dare Russia have this, this border dispute with, with Ukraine and America bringing freedom and democracy? You talked about the Iraq war that they lied us into about weapons of mass destruction. That I had Phil Giraldi, one of the top CIA guys, one of the top guys that went into George W. Bush's office and said, Mr. President, here are the facts. There are no weapons of mass destruction. Giraldi was one of the speakers at my rally last year, the, the Occupy Peace Rally. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Bush said to Giraldi, leave the office. And Giraldi quit. This is a top CIA guy. Scott Ritter, one after another. And then America's talking about Russia. Oh, you love that Afghan war, huh? We're going to get that guy, Osama bin Laden, dead or alive. Oh, wasn't that a beauty? America condemning Russia? And now you're talking about Syria? Oh, we got that guy that's playing our Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin? Oh, what was his last job? Oh, sitting on the board of directors of Raytheon? The largest defense contractor saying America is going to be staying in Syria? What right do we have to be in Syria? Shut up, Salenti. We're stealing their oil. You think we would have invaded Iraq if their major export was broccoli? That's why America's over there. Oh, and those Iranian militants, as you call them, you mean Syrian government run by Assad who invited the... Iranians there with the Russians to help them fight the group that's trying to overthrow them? Those militants that America just bombed a couple of weeks ago? What are we doing in Syria? And you're talking about the Russians in Ukraine? Where the hell is the media? They're a bunch of little cowards that are nothing more than prostitutes. They're 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 Media whores who get paid to put out by their corporate pimps and their government whoremasters. If you talk about peace, if you talk about facts that Washington does not want you to talk about, you are banned. It's no secret, Gerald, that I agree with almost everything you just said there on the on the foreign policy front and specifically as it relates to Ukraine and as it relates to the Middle East. But uh, I do wonder if the mood of the public is finally starting to change. I've started to see a couple of opinion polls a year into this war that a lot of Americans, Democrat, Republican, independent, whatever, they're starting to get a little frustrated with just sending endless gobs of money 
money, which never seemed to be accounted for, to Ukraine, a notoriously corrupt country. I know you're a man of the people. You talk with a lot of different folks, reach a lot of different people on your YouTube channel. Are you getting the sense that the mood of the public is starting to shift in this country? It's starting to shift, but not strongly. There's not a lot of there's not a, look what's going on in France. Look what's going on in Israel, with millions and millions of people taking to the streets month after month, week after week, day after day. You don't get that over here. The fight's gone in this country. There are very few people out there. And 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 again, you mentioned about what Gantz did with that. You know, so few people voted to support it. And 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 it's it 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 it's so sad as I see it that this country has become what it has. We're going down so hard and so fast. Again, the middle class, by the way, has shrunk from sixty-one percent in nineteen seventy to fifty percent today. And the country's going down in every way, spiritually, morally, economically. Look at the crime going on. Look what's going – look at the filth on the street, the homeless situations we have. And where we're involved with sending – what is the, the last budget? A hundred and – what, $58 billion for the defense contractors? Mm. And, and, and then when you put the, the – you put the, intel, quote, intelligence, like a thing like Homeland Security they made up with 9-11, you're over a trillion dollars. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And look, uh, Gerald, in the uh, 20 years that I've known you and in the 12 years or so that we've been doing radio interviews, never once have I ever heard you say whatever problem you were describing, whatever prognostication you were offering, whatever dire prediction you were uh, describing. I've never once heard you say in order to avoid X, you need to vote for Y. And that's one of the things that I've always enjoyed about you. You describe yourself as a political atheist, but I've never known you to be a political evangelist that says vote for this person and then things will change however on the ukraine situation and on the issue of the military industrial complex more broadly there does seem to be some candidates that are advocating de-escalation and some candidates advocating for escalation so i know a lot of your view has kind of always been essentially it doesn't matter it's all part of the same um you know the same Two, two wings on the same bird of prey. But isn't this a situation where the stakes are so high that it does matter who people vote for in elections? If, if there is really a candidate that really stands up for the freedom of the Americans, America first in, in, the, in the truest sense, yes. You know, the, the, the Occupy Peace movement that, that I launched almost a decade ago, it's very simple. We got over 800 uh, bases overseas in, in about 700 bases in about 80 countries. 
bring close the bases down. What are we doing in Germany and Italy and all over the world, in Japan, and and secure the homeland with the troops and put these guys and women to work rebuilding our third world infrastructure. And if you want to go to war, let the people vote. We're the ones that pay for the the war with our money and our lives. I mean, look at these little guys shooting their mouth off all the time. A little Chucky Schumer, a, 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 a Lindsey Graham. These guys, again, they couldn't fight their way out of a paper bag. And they call for war, war, war. Anybody that wants to go support a war in another country... Put on your military drag, take your money, take your family, and and go, go. But don't tell me as an American who believes in the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the Founding Fathers, to do this. It's one lie after another. What's your favorite war? How about that little slime ball, Woodrow Wilson, that got into World War I? Oh, that wonderful guy that gave us the Federal Reserve, that gave us federal income tax, that gave us the, the IRS. Oh, and World War One! Look at the clown show running. It's a freak show. If people just tuning in, we're talking with Gerald Salente. He is the founder of the Trends Research Institute, publisher of the Trends Journal, founder of the Occupy Peace Movement. You can learn more about the Trends Journal and some of the trends that he's predicting at trendsresearch.com. Also, a lot of great writing on there as well. Uh, Gerald, last item on the peace front, and then I want to ask you a little bit about the economy and what we're seeing in the banking sector. And in some ways, I think maybe the two will are linked. But uh, you are having another one of these great peace rallies on May 27th in Kingston, New York. That's certainly where I'd like to be. What are you hoping to achieve with these peace rallies? And uh, what's the purpose of it? What message are you trying to send to the to the public and to the world? The message is what you had said. The people are getting fed up with this. And I want to unite the people that are fed up with us and call for peace and start listening to us. We have to wind down the military-industrial complex. Again, you mentioned Dwight D. Eisenhower, five-star general, supreme commander of the Allied forces in World War II, and two-term president. We have to rebuild this country, and I'm doing everything I can. I put my money where my heart, my soul, my and my spirit are, and I believe that we can make this happen. And where we have the rally, I own three of the most historic buildings in America. In Kingston was the first capital of New York State. The British burnt it down. And the more, over 70% of the Constitution that was written here for New York State came, is America's Constitution. And I own three pre-Revolutionary War stone buildings. It's the only place in America with pre-Revolutionary War stone buildings on each corner. And that's where we're having it. So the seeds of democracy were sown here, and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. You know, I wouldn't be me as I say, you know, I'm, I'm a lucky guy. I'm a Napolitano born in the Bronx. If I was born in Alta Villa Arpino, Vica Quince in Italy, <laughs> I wouldn't be me. So I, I have the American spirit of being who I am, and I don't want anybody and nobody is going to take it away from me. All right. Uh, let's talk about what's happening here in the United States with respect to the banking sector. We've seen SVB in California fail. We've seen Signature Bank shut down by regulators. Uh, through it all, the Federal Reserve keeps raising interest rates to break the back of inflation, and yet consumer prices tend to keep going up. Uh, give me your take 
take, Gerald? Are we going to see more banks fail? And what does this mean, the combination of inflation, interest rate hikes, and failing banks for the future of the American economy? We are facing the most critical economic crisis in modern history. Everybody forgot that they artificially popped up the economy to fight the COVID war by pumping in trillions of dollars and bringing interest rates down to zero. They created a fake bubble. So you got to remember that. Now we're going on with the banks. The Silicon Bank is, is an example of what's going to happen because what no one's talking about or virtually anyone is, and when they do, they don't bring it into the full category of it. There's going to be a commercial office building bust, the likes of which we've never seen. You have an office occupancy rate in the United States, according to Castle with a K, of about 50.4%. So now you have all the leases coming up now. People are not renewing them. They're taking much, much less office space. And now they're starting to default on their office buildings already. They do. They're doing it. They've done it in uh, in Los Angeles, and it's really going to start escalating. And 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 most of the banks are mid-sized banks that have these loans. So you're going to start seeing defaults like we've never seen before. And then what no one else is talking about as well is that when I talk about an office occupancy rate, and you have a in New York City, it's about 47.5%, all the businesses that once upon a time depended on commuters, they're not getting them anymore. So there's no happy hours anymore. Friday, by the way, is the least work day. So this is really serious. We're going to – and now that you've talked about raising interest rates, and then we've got to go back to these loans that they're going to be defaulting on. They have kind of a revolving loan with these things. So as interest rates go up, they have to pay more on their debt. And then you talk about the debt go, interest rates going up. How about the country's debt? You have to pay more on that. So here's the story. No one knows what they're going to do when they meet in May, the Federal Reserve. And the guess on Wall Street is they're going to keep interest rates at they're not going to raise them. They're going to keep them where they are, and then they're going to lower them. Here is the big trend forecast that we're going to that we've made. When they start lowering interest rates, you're going to see the death of the dollar. The death of the dollar is on its doorstep. The only reason the dollar is strong is because of these high interest rates. And when the dollar goes down, you're going to see gold prices skyrocket. And again, you know the magazine. We have no advertisers in it. Nobody tells us what to do. This is our trend forecast. The death of the dollar. And now let's, again, our trend forecasting system is called global nomic, making connections between different fields. We we started off talking about the, the Ukraine war. And now we talk about Russia and China uniting for strength against the United States. They're tired of their hegemony, be it military or economic. And then you're talking about the BRICS. And now you're talking about getting out of the swift and, 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 and nations trading in their own currencies. The death of the dollar is on the doorstep. 
Ooh, uh, if you were buying right now as an investor, either short term or long term, you predicted the stock market crash, not just in 2008, but all the way back to the late 1980s. Uh, if you were around in 1929, you would have predicted that one as well. Um, if you're buying right now in terms of investment, where are you putting your money? Right now, I'm, 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 for me, again, just speaking for myself, it's, it's gold uh, uh, and silver, and I gamble. I gamble in Bitcoin, but it's gold and silver. And uh, this is, to me, this is a time to watch because you got to see what's going to happen. If they hold interest rates and they don't raise them in May, I believe the markets are going to get strong again for a while. It's going to be very interesting to watch. Gerald Salente, it is always enlightening. Thank you, my friend. Um, I'll uh, hopefully see you on May 27th. If not, we'll certainly talk before, though. Thanks so much, and thank you for all that you do. Thank you. If you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, give me a call, 1-800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight.